The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITO Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITO Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITO coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The agents at Blue Pineapple Travel love to help people plan their travel. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Whether you're looking for relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group, inside the U.S. or abroad, they are there to match you to the trip for you. Blue Pineapple Travel will help you curate all of the travel information out there to create the exact vacation that you want. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by SlayRx. You can find them at www.slayrx.com. SlayRx is a sports nutrition company that makes products for athletes, team sports, and anyone that trains or works outdoors. SlayRx was founded by an endurance athlete and University of Georgia food scientist who was unhappy with the choices he was offered on course in long course triathlons. He started making his own mixes and now you can enjoy those same mixes. SlayRx offers differing levels of electrolytes in their hydration products and you can get them with or without calories. You can either take their online test at SlayerX.com or you can be tested in their laboratory to determine the exact amount of liquid and electrolytes that you need to be consuming while racing. In addition to hydration products, SlayerX offers fueling products like their product Diesel, which is available with or without the optimum level of caffeine that is scientifically proven to legally enhance performance while limiting GI upset and diuretic impact. If you're looking for alternative gels, try SlayerX Spark Plug, a Pop Rocks-like powder that combines the same electrolytes that are in their other products, encapsulated caffeine, and quickly absorbed carbohydrates. It comes in a plastic tube so it can be carried while running, and it will work to enhance and fuel your alertness, general happiness, and performance. Remember, tell them the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast sent you by using the coupon code PLEASANT2020 at checkout on their website, and you'll get 10% off anything you purchase there. That's SlayerX.com, Pleasant2020. Test, don't guess, with SlayerX. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast possible. Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slarex. My name is George Darden. I'm a father of twin boys, a runner, a college professor, and an athlete and coach here in Atlanta. And I'm Patrick Ollinger, and I'm also an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta. And I'm Michelle Frank. I work full time as a CPA, mom to three girls, and also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. All right, the whole gang is back together. Ben. It's been a few weeks, y'all. Yeah, it has. That was your idea. You gave us a break. <laughs> It was the, the partly my part, idea and, and partly, you know, just kind of the way things unfolded. Yeah, it was good. The weirdest part was as I was logging in, I was like, has it actually been a few weeks or is just my 
coronavirus like quarantine <laughs> time. No, I think for you especially, <laughs> it's been it's been a few weeks. George, didn't we do a, a drop in on Boston? I don't know. I already no. forget. Yeah, we no, we did we did Boston with with Eric and and Dara, okay, which right. was good. And then but then I had I had the solo one where I talked to my cousin for a little while. Speaking of which, right. what's your favorite 80s movie, Michelle? Oh, uh, Adventures in Babysitting, hands down. I mean, there is no other 80s movie for me. <laughs> I'm impressed you can come up with it that quickly. My cousin put me on the spot when, when I had him on and we were talking about Grab the Remote. Yeah, and, and you and failed that test. I totally so. failed. Do you yeah, have no. a favorite 80s movie now? I've thought, you know, I said Rocky Three then, and that might still actually be true. Um, maybe The Karate Kid. Not Star no. Wars? So Star Wars came out in the 1970s. Right? No, no. Empire Strikes Back, I think, was into the 80s. but uh, but Exactly. But, but but New Hope was 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 late was late seventies. Patrick, what's yours? Back to the Future, maybe. See, good question. I don't know. See, I mean, Back to the Future. I feel like that's that's. Uh, Is maybe that even e. a good movie? What? <laughs> it's, it's all right. You know, I did I did appreciate when they, they referred to it in game, made fun of it. But anyway, we're we're, we're getting off track here. But glad glad to see y'all. Glad to see y'all. Patrick, how's your running? How's your base building? Oh, it's going fantastic. Um. It's just nice and simple. It, it's, you know, working from home, it's, it's nice to, to be able to run without a commute. I and mean, it's amazing what an extra hour and a half to two hours in your day does for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been going pretty well. It's, it's definitely a different feeling. Um, when I stop and think about the fact that I don't have a race on the schedule, it makes me sad. So it's mm-hmm. kind of one of those, like, don't stop and think about it. Just kind <laughs> of keep enjoying the moment. Enjoy it yeah. for what it is. And um, it's been a lot of fun to be able to do something different, just be able to kind of take the long view in a way that, that generally I'm not able to. Right on, right on. The long you, but not thinking about those races that aren't coming. <laughs> exactly, like the long, long. <laughs> yeah. there, was a, there was an article in the New York Times um, probably two months ago that was about what can we learn about how to deal with the coronavirus from endurance athletes. Um, and one of the things that it said was, was stay in the moment and do the job that's in front of you as opposed right. to, to, to getting too hung up on what's on down the road. Um, you know, in, in athletics, we call that the flow state. But, but generally speaking, when it comes to coronavirus, I think that for me, uh, when things were super busy around teaching my sons and that sort of thing, it was very helpful just to, okay, let's, let's do what's in front of us right now, um, as opposed to getting too hung up on what's going to happen three, four months down the road and where we're going to be and are we still going to be in this spot, you know? Um, That's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. Michelle, how you doing? Uh, pretty good. Just came back from being gone. Uh, we took the kids to Asheville last week. It was a great week. Um, I spent my summers as a kid there, so I had a bunch of stuff that I made them do. Um, no complaining on any of the hikes or anything. Just kidding. I mean, there was, but the rule was they weren't allowed to. That also rule applied to my mother and sister too. And I would say everyone did really well. Um, came back and it's really hard to catch up on five days of missing work. But just kind of back into it now. And um, we just found out Friday that there's no sleepaway camp in New York this summer. So the governor had deemed it essential and he came out Friday uh, late afternoon and said that they weren't opening. So just kind of trying to rally and figure out some type of game plan uh, for some of the kids for the summer. Um, My six-year-old is really happy. She doesn't want to go to camp. She just wants to stay with me the whole time, but it's just not so great for me. So uh, (laughs) back to the drawing table. (laughs) All right. right, Very good. We, uh, we have a travel agent in the family, as you know, and so traveling's always been a big part for us. We went to, we went to to travel a little bit a couple weeks ago to, to uh, a half empty hotel in Jekyll Island, Georgia, where Patrick and I did a half marathon um, uh, uh, back Back in in January. January. Yeah. AKA and, uh, 10 years ago. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Seems like a long time ago. 
Um, and, uh, and, and that went well and, and they had a lot of measures in place. And so we're doing something similar, um, in a few more weeks, a couple more weeks, we're actually going to travel a little bit more. So, um, but staying within driving distance, um, and, and stuff like yeah. that. And then a few and where more are you people. going? So we're going to Florida. Um, we're going to Port St. Lucie, Florida, um, and, uh, going to a hotel there that's, uh, that's put in place a lot of different things that make us feel safe and, and make us feel as if we can be safe there. Um, and so, so looking forward to that, but, um, a lot of people are, 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 my wife says, or the travel agent says are, are looking for, for driving destinations and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. and starting to talk to her about trips, but, but not booking the real big ones just yet. So, so yeah. Um, but this, speaking of things coming back to normal here, um, we've talked about a couple of weeks ago, I think the last time that we were all together, all three of us, we talked about how, uh, some races were just starting again. Um, and we talked specifically about the Dirty Spokes races, which is a series of races here in the Atlanta area uh, that are trail races. Uh, they also have mountain biking, that's the name. But um, they had one on June 6th that was at Road Atlanta, and they had one on June 13th that was at Haw Creek Park, which is on the northern side of Atlanta. And we actually have with us uh, Katie Bennett. Um, and, and I'm going to go ahead and bring her on here and then uh, she took part in the race and we figured rather than us talking about what it was like from, from our perspective, from the outside, we figured we'd talk to Katie about, about how it actually went for somebody who was there. So, uh, Michelle, welcome Katie. Can you tell us who Katie is? Sure. This is Katie Bennett. Um, she is a local Atlanta runner. She's originally from Rhode Island, ran in college, very fast runner, runs for a uh, honey singer pro ambassador and Brooks pro ambassador. And she was, uh, present at the Dirty Spokes race, and we just wanted to ask her a few questions about that. Um, so I guess, Katie, can you tell us what kind of spurred your return to racing and signing up for that particular race? Yeah, so I've really missed racing. Obviously, Boston was canceled this year, so that was the big um, race on my schedule for the, for the spring, but um, I've raced Dirty Spokes before, and so when I got the email a few weeks ago that they were going to start holding races, I was super excited because, you know, I'd probably run it anyway, but it was amazing that they were actually going to try to get back to racing, um, do it with safety precautions, but when I saw they had the race, I signed up right away. Yeah, so I think a lot of us were reading the safety precautions and wondering, how mm -hmm. is that really going to play out? Are they really going to be able to do that? Is it just you know, uh, kind of words on paper. So can you tell us a little bit about what that was like and maybe what the most noticeable differences were at the beginning of the race? Yeah, so basically everyone that went to pick up their packet had to wear a mask. The people that were working the packet pickup also had masks on and gloves on. They didn't want you really congregating right there. Um, so it was different in that everyone, once you got your number, kind of scattered. So before the race started, um, everyone was kind of all over it didn't seem like it was that many people at all. They had um, bags if you wanted to put your stuff in that you did yourself and just kept them off underneath like an overhang area. And um, when we raced, you didn't have to wear a mask. So um, I didn't wear a mask when I was running. The corralled starts had you kind of self-corral by time. So they had it, um, the first one was seven minutes or under. And then it went from there like seven to eight minutes. And I think they said they had about 25 seconds between each corral start and in the first corral, I never felt like people were right on top of me. We were pretty well spread out. I think probably only maybe 30 or so, or even in, it just didn't seem like that much. So um, that was different with kind of the not hanging out before the start. And, but I mean, I never felt kind of unsafe or people were too close together at that point. Obviously at the beginning of a trail race, 
to thin pack. Yeah, usually pack. people are kind of packed in waiting for just kind of a casual start, so. Yeah, and so once we hit the trail, it was a little bit tight at first for like jostling for where you were gonna be running, but kind of after the first half mile or so, um, I was pretty much running with one person or myself. And once you were kind of in the midst of the race, did you feel like it was a pandemic? Did you feel like it was anything different than it would have otherwise been up at Yargo or sorry, um, the race was held at um, Fort Yargo, which is a state park here in Georgia. So, um, um no, because well, the only other thing we would have had was water. So they just um, made it clear before the race, there'd be no water at the race or after. So, you know, usually on the trail, I think, so I remember they would have it on the longer races. There'd be an option of a water table. So that wasn't there. If people wanted to bring their own. They could set them up by when we hit the second loop. So basically it was two loops. There was a three mile race and a six mile race, and you could set up your water um, in an area if you wanted when we hit kind of the, the second loop. But once I was running, I didn't, you know, completely the same, normal. It was great. Yeah. I was like, this is, this is awesome to be doing this. <laughs> Felt again. like it was normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really did. Um, and then what about, they had mentioned specifically when you come into the finish that they weren't going to be high-fiving, there wasn't going to be hugging, there wouldn't really be an award ceremony. So what did that play out like for you? Yeah, there was none of that. And I, they do, um, Dirty Spokes does a really good job. I feel like of the award ceremony at the end, they always have really nice, you know, the, the steps to stand on, they take pictures. And um, that was a little bit different, but I mean, it was fine. After you're done, they did a printout. So they posted it, um, you know, within five minutes online. So you could check and see, okay, did I, what place did I come in? Did I get an award? And then you just went waited in line, picked up your award and, um, and could go. They did have like a podium if you wanted to take your own picture. So and did you take a picture? Because spoiler, didn't you win your age group? I did, <laughs> but I had someone take my picture, not on the podium. I just had someone randomly take it. I didn't go on. The, I know I didn't go on the podium. Um, cause I noticed it after. So, but yeah, so it was, that was a little different, but honestly, with it, all those changes, I would gladly be able to race to do things a little differently. Do you think that the type of changes that they make would work well for a bigger road race? Or do you think that it's kind of going to be really just the smaller races that kind of can put those measures in place for social distancing? Yeah, I just think that it's probably smaller races. I can't imagine trying to do that for more than, you know, a couple hundred people. This was capped at 200, I believe. Um, I can't imagine how it would play out, you know, with a lot more waves needed on the roads where maybe people would be packed together closer when they're running in, in, in a pack. So it'll be interesting to see. I will say if I had to be around anyone, I am kind of okay being around other runners and athletes. Right. I think pretty <laughs> OCD about staying healthy and it's probably the healthiest yeah. group of people you could be around. So, you know, even though maybe I was closer to people at the beginning, that didn't bother me just knowing kind of if you're not going to go there if you're sick. So, right. You know, I had, I had a friend who did the, the June 6th race, the one that was at Road Atlanta, and, and he was talking about two things. One, he said the start, they basically said there, you had a 10-minute window and you sort of started whenever you wanted to start from like 8.30 to 8.40. So they didn't have corrals. He said the only time there was any, ever any real bunching was that a whole bunch of people who were hoping to place and kind of wanted to competition sort yeah. of went to the start together all right at 8.30. Mm. Um, he said okay. that was the only time there was ever any real bunching, he felt like. Um, but he felt like the, the venue for the June 6th race, the Dirty Spokes June 6th race, uh, Road Atlanta was so spread out that it just kind of helped. But he had mentioned to me that he said that, that Haw Creek, where your race was, is much smaller and much tighter. Um, and you mentioned corrals. And so, so how, I mean, how did, that, how did that work with distancing and stuff? 
uh, like I said, you could self-select into the corral and everyone was pretty spread out because some people didn't even enter into the corral. They stayed off, mm. off to the side till they said the corral went. And they also kept the window open if you wanted to wait. I think they gave it a 10 minute window because people would be then starting to come through the finish line, which was right by the start. So you could choose to not start in your corral or even just wait off to the side and then just pop in. Um, so that's kind of what I noticed a lot of people did where people weren't necessarily right in that corral. That was the parking lot. They were off to the side, kind of hopped in when they wanted to. I don't know kind of what the subsequent corrals looked like behind me, if it was closer or what that seemed like, but um, I didn't think I felt claustrophobic or anything. So did people wear their masks and then just kind of rip them off as they went through the start or was it kind of the masks were worn as you were getting ready, but then people just kind of left them when they took their last sip of water. I'm trying to, yeah, it's hard that's for me it. to imagine the starting line of a trail race with everyone. It's not like it's cold and people have a buff over their face. It's like a, met, you know, it's like a real mask. Yeah, and it's hot. It's very hot. <laughs> yeah. um, so it seems like everyone took them off kind of after they, you know, got their numbers. Like I ran to the, st I parked in the parking lot, which was maybe a half mile from the packet pickup. So I had my mask around my neck when I jogged to the start. When I got near people, I put it up, got my stuff, mm. um, then went back to my car and I, I left it with everything at that point because um, I wasn't planning on running with it or keeping it around my neck. So interesting. Times are so different. And so in so little time, everything is so vastly different. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the whole time the people that were running the race had masks on, I can't remember if I noticed anyone running in them. It's done, I feel like I didn't remember seeing anyone, but I'm sure maybe a few did. Um, but everyone that was kind of working the race had had a mask on. Yeah. Right. Cool. Yeah. I, I appreciate the fact that Dirty Spokes put out like 15 different things that they were going to do. And, and like mm -hmm. Michelle said, I was very eager to hear whether they actually did those things. And, and I've run yeah. Dirty Spokes races before, and I like those people a lot. I think they put on good races, mm -hmm. but, it, but it's just always much harder to actually implement something than it is to ride it. So, yeah. so I, I, I appreciate you coming on and telling us a little bit more about it. Um, tell us this, um, and, and this might not be something you can totally answer, but, but you definitely felt like it was worth it, and you're glad you went. And, you would, and I, I gather from what you're saying that you would do it again. Would you, yeah. would you recommend other people do it or, or do you feel like they were, you were taking a risk that maybe, I mean, what, what do you think? Um, I know I was taking a risk just because, you know, we were going to be in close quarters exercising, which kind of makes it even spread further. But if someone's not worried that they're an at-risk person and they want to race, I recommend it. So I'm going to go back in July when they have it. I'm out of town for, I think the first one in July, but I'll go back um, at the end of the month just because. It, it was it was fun to race again, even if it was kind of a condensed atmosphere and wasn't, you know, the way it normally is, it was still, it got the race fix in. So I think if you're someone that is not as maybe cautious or willing to kind of, you know, put yourself at a kind of an exposure, then it's fine. But if you're someone that's worried about, oh, what if someone's close to me? Because you really can't control who's going to be running next to you. You can try to stay away from people. But if you're going to get anxious about that, I wouldn't... Um, I probably wouldn't recommend going. Because you have immunocompromised people in your life or, or you know, you have you, people in high risk groups that, that, you, that you are consistently interacting with and things like that. So, yeah. 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 But since I don't, I don't have that, I, um, I wasn't concerned. I'm not concerned for myself um, that it would kind of affect me in a bad way. So mm -hmm. I took that into account with going to race. Right on, right on. All right. So I said that was the last question. Actually, I do have one other question for you. Did you do any no virtual way. challenges or anything like that during the, during the lockdown? George. No, I didn't. I actually would do, I, I would choose a time trial. I did a bunch of time trials. I'd mm -hmm. rather just race myself on a time trial. Mm -hmm. 
um, than do a virtual challenge. But I, I mean, I know a lot of people that have done a virtual challenge. Okay, so cool, cool. So, so that, are you gonna that, run? So are we gonna ask? Come on. No, go no. Ahead. What I was gonna say. What I was gonna say. So, so time trial. It still, still leads into the question pretty well. So, so you you've you've done time trials you've had to do things that aren't your typical race experiences and now you've gone back into obviously a different sort of race experience because mm -hmm. all, all the safeguards are in place was it was it that much better how did they compare yes. how did your time trials compare to an actual race well i it's kind of hard because i was doing mile time trials or 5ks um, i'm really competitive so anytime i can actually race another person i'll do that any mm -hmm. day of the week rather than race myself but um it it, it definitely build my kind of desire to race because you're competing against other people. So mm -hmm. it was, it was fun in that regard. Very good. I'm wondering when I do my first race back again, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to be like, Oh my God, this is so much better than the virtual stuff I've been doing. Cause the virtual stuff's been scratching the itch for me, but I, but I do wonder if, if when I do yeah. my first race with, with actual you know competitors that I can see, if I'm going to be like, why did I like those virtual races so much? <laughs> Yeah, you will, because I, I thought they were fine, too. I'm like, oh, it's fine. I like racing my mile. You know, that's great. But then I was like, oh, it's a real race. This is this is better. Like, that's good. But um, this is this is better. And I, I don't know kind of when road races, even smaller ones, will come back. It seems like the trail races are coming back first. Um, I was looking into another one that's coming up this weekend. It had sold out. But um, it seems like that the trail races are what's coming first. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Katie, we appreciate you being with us. Thanks yeah, for coming no, on, Katie. No problem. Anytime, anytime. So good luck with your uh, with your with your races coming up soon. Thanks. Alrighty. Bye. Bye. All right. So Katie, that was some. I, I that was a good idea, Michelle. So it was Michelle's idea to bring Katie on. So so I will give you all the credit, Michelle. That was a good idea, actually, having somebody come on that that had done it, and I appreciate that. That was good. That was interesting. I feel I sort of also felt like we should get the details from somebody who was actually there and experienced Absolutely. it versus what people told us since it, mm -hmm. some could be a sensitive topic for some people. So for sure. For sure. Patrick, what do you think? That was pretty interesting. I was happy to hear that it sounds like it went off without a hitch. I mean, if that's, a, I mean, even the right way to, to phrase it or to frame it. Um, and it sounds like it was different, but not something that makes you kind of squeamish, right? Yeah, or that's makes, what I felt. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, it didn't sound like it was something where you would go, oh, I don't want to do it, so I have to do all that. Right. <laughs> right? I feel like um, as long as the actual racing part, the way that she said, you couldn't really, I mean, I can, I think everyone can handle a, a change with beginning and after, but if you, once you get out there and you get going, if that feels kind of yeah. like the status quo, I think everybody would have some yeah. great level of appreciation for that right now. Yeah, and like to to her point, you know, the smaller races might be something that, that can be done for a little while yeah. um, to kind of satisfy people's like racing um, itch, so to speak. Mm -hmm. it, it's the it's the larger ones that I mean, who knows what the heck's going to happen there. I agree. Um, but it's certainly interesting to see. Like, that seemed like a good first step, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. I agree. And maybe it'll get some people turned on to trail racing. So I, I'm actually glad to hear it too, because as I said just a second ago, I've run Dirty Spokes races and I like them and I like those races and I think they do a good job. And so, you know, if, if she was like, yeah, they wrote all this stuff and they didn't do any of it, that would really yeah. discourage me from doing Dirty Spoke races, period, in the future. Um, and so the fact that, that they actually put the stuff out there and then they followed through on it, um, that deepens my respect for them as a, as a company and it, and it makes me more likely to continue doing the races in the future. So. Not sure I'm going to sign up for one just yet, though. Are y'all? 
I signed up for one yesterday. <laughs> Says the person who's not even running, right? Isn't There's that what answer. you do when you're when right you're not on. running? You buy four new pair of shoes, sign up awesome. for all the races. Um, right, I actually that, signed up for the Mystery Mountain, but it's not till October. So right, hopefully I'll good. have a virtual Boston Marathon under my belt by then and just be able to have some fun. But I would love to do some of the shorter trail races right over on. the summer. My fear is they're all going to just sell out so fast um, mm -hmm. that really have to kind of be first to the sign up. Yeah, because they do spot. have participant caps as well. That's part yeah, of it. Sure. Um, oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And once yeah. the word gets out that, you know, people are enjoying them, I just think they're going to meet those caps. pretty. Quickly. So you're saying that I should go ahead and sign up for all the races for the, in the remainder of the series before I actually put this podcast out tomorrow? I feel like you might do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I have to have a family conversation. I don't make de decisions about what's safe and what's not safe by myself. Um, so, so, yeah. Patrick, you might have to come out of retirement or might have to come off of your, your base training. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Or maybe I should do some trail running for base training. <laughs> right on, right ready. on. Well, let's talk about some of the other races that have gone on as well, too. When we, when we were talking before this, this podcast, we said that we were going to kind of circle back around on a lot of things. And so we had talked about Dirty Spokes a couple of weeks ago because they were getting ready to do a race. And then we have now heard uh, straight from Katie what it was like. Um, Spartan also announced that they were going to be doing a race this past weekend as well. It was in the Jacksonville area. Um, and you'll remember that initially when Spartan announced they were going to be doing a race, they were really cavalier about it. Um, and they, they said things in their release such as, you know, if you're worried about a virus, then you're dead already. And that's like yeah. literally what they said. Um, and, and, much to my surprise and satisfaction, um, the actual execution of the race this past weekend was far more guarded um, and much more, I guess, for lack of a better word, conservative. Um, yeah, it seems super tame thing, for so. a Spartan race. Tame. That's, that's exactly what I was I mean, is tame for. a good word? I don't know how to describe it. It just seems like they executed on every, you know, social distancing, yeah. hand sanitizing measure that yeah. you possibly could put in place on an obstacle course. Yeah, yeah. So they, they drastically reduced the number of participants. They initially had said, we're going to have 4,000 a day, just like we always do. And they took it down to about, about 1,200 a day. Um, uh, and so, so drastically reduced the number of uh, participants. The heat sizes were cut down to less than 25 runners per heat instead of the typical 250 runners per heat. Um, and then they, they sent out waves every five minutes. And so 25 people basically in the starting area that is normally has 250 people crowded all together, right? Um, so it goes to show how much they were able to spread those out. Uh, every staff member, about 50 of them, were tested for coronavirus prior to the weekend's events. Um, they adjusted the course, which I thought was interesting. Uh, they swapped out things like the sandbag carry and the dunk wall um, for, for obstacles that were more uh, sanitary, tame. <laughs> um, um, got rid of some of those. Uh, they reduced the number of lanes per obstacle in order to ensure athletes could stay six feet apart when they were crawling under the barbed wire or when they're going through the twister or when they were going over the wall climb and stuff like that. They also put hand sanitizer between a lot of the things. Like after the monkey bars, they had hand sanitizer. Um, and one competitor I read about said that it was really helpful because when the hand sanitizer dried, sticky. it made your hands kind of <laughs> sticky. Um, yeah. and, and it was actually helpful when you were trying to like go over monkey bars and climb walls and all that sort of thing. Uh, they put plexiglass at the check-in tents. Um, they had all the participants go through a health screening with a contactless temperature check. Um, and they said anybody who measures over 100.4, their temperature uh, was not able to enter the race. Uh, and then of course they required face masks for all their volunteers and staff. So um, dare I say kudos to Spartan. 
you know, you have to hand it to these um, racing companies. I mean, it is a business. So everybody who has been drastically affected by the pandemic that needs to get their business back up and running. I mean, yeah. they're going and taking measures far and wide, you know, and implementing procedures that they probably never imagined um, having to implement to their races, yeah. but to get things just up and running again, to do it in a way that, you know, meets the social distancing guidelines set out by CDC or World Health Organization. Um, I mean, it's a return to something, it's a revenue source for them. And I almost think good for them. I mean, I, like you, George, when I, the initial, you know, article came out, it just was ostentatious and like, why are they even going to do this? But it seems like they really kind of toned it down a bit and put on an event that uh, might've been pretty safe. So yeah. I guess only time will tell. Um, if we have an article that says, you know, multiple people that participated in Jacksonville Spartan race two weeks ago tested positive, then might have to rethink another one. But um seems yeah. like they have measures in place. But 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 if, if if that article does come out in two weeks, I dare say it won't be because Spartan didn't take precautions, you know? And so so I would be loath at that point to actually blame Spartan for it. Um, uh, it would just be, you know, just kind of a crappy part of a crappy tour of 2020. But, but yeah. But then I, what? Does Spartan try again? Or uh, does that, is that enough data that says, no, we're actually not ready for this? The virus is... I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and it depends on whether people get sick and whether people die too. I mean, that's so, true. so, so, I mean, we'll just have to see in, in two weeks and that sort of thing. I mean, cases are spiking in Florida right now as they are in a lot of states that have opened up pretty rapidly. So we'll see. Yeah. Patrick, what do you think? I know you're not going to sign up for a Spartan race anyway. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, Patrick, funny. neither am I. <laughs> when y'all are describing like, oh, they're sanitizing like the barbed wire you crawl under, I was like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> that was all I needed this year. Um, yeah, but, I don't. I don't have any. Sim I don't have any desire to do a Spartan race either. But but I I appreciate the the fact that there are people who do. And and, and, and similar to like what I was saying with the trail race, you hope that this is a positive step where we could say, yeah. okay, this is how we do this. This is how we have an event, a race, a sporting event, whatever you want to call it. Um, now, what can we take and learn from this, and how can we expand into other arenas or to other races and other race events? Right on. Right on. So again, circling back around to something we've talked about here and, and uh, just testing the waters and trying different sort of races this past weekend was the Impossible Games. So this replaced the Bislett Games, which is part of the, uh, the, the Diamond League, and we talked about them a couple weeks ago. Um, and they did all sorts of kind of interesting different kinds of races here. Uh, I think probably uh, the highlight of the race was when Jacob Ingbertson, who we've talked about before, uh, 19 years old, he ran 450.01 uh, to break the European 2,000-meter record, uh, which was held by a guy named Steve Cram, a miler from Great Britain, uh, who happened to be doing the commentary for the race. Um, he and his two brothers, the Ingbertson brothers, um, they all ran on a track in Norway. Um, and meanwhile, at the same time, they were, there was – three Kenyans running on a track in Kenya, uh, Timothy Chariot, Elijah Manangoy, and Edwin Melly um, were all running around their track. And they did team scores, but they also tried to see who was going to be able to run the fastest. Now, it wasn't quite like a head-to-head, -head, apples to apples competition, because it was like perfect weather in Norway, and it was like <laughs> 800 really feet of elevation <laughs> and much hotter in Kenya, as you would imagine here in June. Um, but, uh, but the Ingertsons ended up winning uh, pretty handily. Um, uh, Jacob Ingerson is now seven, number seven on the all-time 2,000 meter list. Um, they were running like all sorts of different um, um, uh, 
different sorts of events. Uh, his brother Philip ran 216.46 for 1,000 meters to set a new Norwegian 1,000 meter record. Uh, and there was a guy named Kristen Warholm, who's a 400 meter hurdler, uh, who ran 33.78 for the 300 meter hurdles, um, a not very often run event and set a world best in that. It's not a world record because they don't have official world records in that, uh, but he set a world best. So cardboard, Figures up in the stands. Yeah. Live feed around the world. Uh, Patrick, did you watch it? Michelle, did you watch it? I didn't watch it live. Um, I read about it. And I think, you know, it was interesting because people were kind of wondering what type of shape are these athletes going to be in? Um, you know, Jacob, they didn't do their training camp at altitude in Flagstaff, which they would have done if we weren't in the middle of a coronavirus uh situation so but he came out pretty smoking fast um i think these you know especially he's the youngest of his older two brothers so there's three of them but he's always just ready to race and doesn't seem like you know not having that altitude stent affected him that much and if the diamond league uh does return the way that they say that it's going to return later in the summer then it'll just be interesting to see if you know is he on par with everybody else is everybody else just as fit or um, did people really kind of take some time off and lag behind and they just come out and, you know, blow everybody out of the waters uh, when it actually counts. But I think it was a little bit of, oh my gosh, track and field is on TV. Everybody go watch. <laughs> um, so I think that was exciting. And so, the results themselves are exciting. Never records go down. So right on, right on. Yeah. Patrick, did you watch? I didn't watch, but I, like Michelle, I, I was kind of keeping tabs on the results. And I kind of had similar takeaways to Michelle where I wanted to see what the effect would be that people, you know, of people having to train, you know, a bit more by themselves, kind of a bit more set of rules and regulations, for example, not be able to train at altitude. And the overall kind of feedback I saw was that we still had a lot of superstar performances, um, still had some records go down. But it'd be interesting to see two things. One is would we see the same kind of high performances if they have to train you know, you know, not train at altitude for the next year or so? Is it just be that they still have that base from years and years of training at altitude? And just as importantly, is it one of those scenarios where the superstars still kind of see their, their blazing fast times, but maybe the more A-minus level runners um, are the ones that suffer the most from, you know, having kind of that 1% shaven off of their, their training regimen? So I, that was what I thought that was kind of my biggest takeaway or questions from the race. Cause it, it seemed like the superstars still were operating at the same level they would be if they were never in quarantine or this, but the, but the, but the sub superstars, if you will, the people that yes. aren't quite superstars, they weren't even in the race. Yeah. They right. didn't even really have a chance of anything. So. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. That's a good point. I do think it's interesting. They use the wave light technology on the track, mm -hmm. um, you know, to pace in Norway and, I just have to think that no matter what, a and head they didn't to head, use it in Kenya. They did the not Kenyan use it in Kenya. Pacemaker went out way too fast. Yeah, the Kenya pacemaker <laughs> went out. He did the first quarter in fifty-four Thanks, seconds, yeah. <laughs> which is like suicidal um, yeah. for a two K. I think he he didn't even make it near. He didn't even make it half the distance he was supposed to. I think they were left with one pacemaker. I mean, the Kenyans kind of completely blew up. But um, I would have to think that if you had the option of being paced by the wave light like they did um, during you know, this impossible games, then it has to be that these guys could probably run faster if they were head to head with another runner. Hmm. Um, I just think that there's something about that, you know, like, I don't know, uh, shoulder to shoulder grind on the track that has to propel somebody to go harder, faster, stronger. If, even if it's just the last 
100 or 200 meters than a light. But um, I guess the job was to break the record and put on a show and they did that. So yeah. yeah. That, well, George, was, you might have some insight to that with all your virtual races recently. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and you're right. It's it, and that that's actually relates back to what the question I asked Katie, right? Um, so the the wave light technology. Remember, we talked about it's the LED lights that are on the inside of the track, and you can set the pace on those tracks and or on those lights, and they'll actually go at an assigned pace, right? And so the Ingbertson brothers were said we want to run 450, and so they programmed 450 pace into into those lights and they just follow the lights, right? Um, and were they is, supposed to follow them or were they supposed to be- They like, had both right pacers I never and could, I couldn't really understand. They, so. had, they had both the pacers and the wave light, right? But they never, never actually got in front of the wave light, but they still broke the record. So did they know to stay like right behind the light or- I guess so. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess that's kind of the way it works. You're not supposed to be like on the light. You're supposed to be like following the light, right? Seems complicated. Um, so, <laughs> but 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 that, but to the to the question I asked Katie though. So I've done all these you know like virtual races on Zwift and 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 time trials on full gas and stuff like that. I started virtual RAM today, which I'll tell you about in just a minute. But but you know I do wonder, and 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 that has scratched the itch to me to some degree. But I do wonder how much different it's going to feel when I get back in the race and and I am around other people. But um, you're going to go from virtual bike racing to like real road racing mm -hmm. running sorry so yeah. i don't know if you can make yeah. well i do have the uh, the golden coast track 5k uh virtual 5k next weekend nikki hiltz's race Ooh, so that's right i forgot about oh, yeah. that yeah yeah that, <laughs> i i have I'm, I'm gonna try and run that one as best as i can so we'll see how that goes but uh started getting serious this week again actually i started kind of pulling things back together getting my diet a little bit cleaned up um etc cetera, etc cetera, so so I'm starting You're making to, the rest of us look bad. No, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> starting to, for some, for whatever reason, I, I'm, I'm starting to flip the switch. Um, and I don't know if that's because June's been a better month um, or if it's because maybe these races are starting to happen. And so maybe I'm starting to think that maybe I will be able to do a race. I don't know what it is, but, but yeah. Like Does being week, fit for the virtual Boston marathon in September motivate you at all? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Or, or, or maybe the not so virtual Blue Ridge relay, because they're, they're still kind of talking about oh, yeah, that as right. it might happen. They sent out a non update update today, as a matter of fact, saying still trying to make it happen. Nothing really new since the last time we updated you. Wow. Um, so, a relay like that where everyone's in such close proximity in a van, that seems yeah. like a whole different, yeah. And, that, and that's actually what they've said. They've said the thing we're concerned about is putting six people in a van. And, and yeah, going, they should be concerned this. about that. So, that, and that's, they're, so they're not concerned as much about like the exchange zones sure. and, and all that sort of sure. thing. They're concerned about the fact that if you're going to pull off that race, you have to have six people in a van together. And so should they be, or are they in a position where they want to be encouraging people from six different families, probably, yeah. And all to different come together states. Into, into a tight yeah. space. Could they require testing before, like the day um, before the race or something? Don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, I don't know. But back, so. back to your point, do you find, I, I don't even know how to quite say it, but one thing I've learned from this pandemic, so I can almost be from my experience and change into a question, is that obviously I don't have a race in the schedule, so I have no time goals for 2020. But just knowing that I'm fit and meeting my own kind of process goals and getting in the mileage or kind of meeting my own goals that I've set, they really have nothing to do with the race time, but just with training and be able to kind of check the box kind of old school. Do you find that that helps you just feel better about yourself on other aspects um, and kind of helps motivate you from a diet perspective as well? So I got to say, it's been kind of enlightening or refreshing to see that for me, at least it's not just about the, the race results. It's about just the 
aspect of saying, hey, today I want to run this many miles. And I did, so I feel better about it. And then that helps me do things like, you know, not eat that bowl of ice cream, for example. But to have You've been reading Run Happy. <laughs> it's I all have, about the process, Patrick. <laughs> you, you, you've been reading the book. You've been reading the book for the I book have. club. So, okay, so, but, but, and we can actually segue into talking about the book for the book club for that very reason. So, because, because that's the argument they make over the first half of the book. Yeah. Um, and, and none of us have finished it yet. And we're going to try and finish it in the next couple of weeks here so, so that we can talk about it in about two weeks, basically at the end of June. Um, but, but the big argument in the first half of the book is, is Enjoy finish the process. Line, yeah, the, the process is important. And they go so far as to say that finish lines don't matter. They even go so far as to say, we don't give an F about your results. Um, Which and, and I actually don't think is really true because I don't think it's true either. They coach some really elite badass athletes mm-hmm. and they definitely want them to win and be on the podium at some of the I agree races. with you. No, I, I, I agree with you too. And, I found and that a little frustrating I, I also think that <laughs> I also think there's a degree, in, and Michelle, you've given me a hard time about this before, that, that it's, it's kind of easy to say, oh, the results don't matter when you get in the results. Do you know what I mean? Correct. So, or when so, you're not the runner. <laughs> yeah, right. But, but I mean, like, like he wins, David wins the, this trail 10K, the, the national trail 10K. If he hadn't won the national trail 10K, would he still be saying results, results don't really matter? Would he still be saying that, you think? I don't know. I mean, um, I think his whole life would have been different if he hadn't won that right. race. So That so, result did matter. That was everything for yeah. his entire path, you know, yeah. for his... So marketability, et cetera. But, that, but, but, but so the, the, the whole first part of the book is, is they're talking about how the process matters and that you can't, you can't, um, you can't put your, your, your faith in or your satisfaction in or your self-worth in a finish line because finish lines can be taken from you. Um, and I think that actually, and I hadn't thought about this till just now, that, that here in this moment, in, in, uh, in, in the time when there's not as many finish lines, there's not as many races offered to us, you know, like, where, where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us kind of in the place that you're talking about, Patrick, that, that, well, kind of focusing, falling back on the process, enjoying the process, and just not worrying about the finish line anymore. And that's, that's something that for me, I, I, uh, I can't quite get there. And, and even though I, even though I appreciate, and I, and I coach my athletes to pay attention to the process, I still have I, I still have goals. And so, so the process is still around marching towards a goal. Once I decide on the goal, I can let go of the goal and not think about it and just focus on you know, the next repeat and the next run and the next stretching section and right. all that sort of thing. Like I can do that and I feel like I'm good at that. And that's what I always encourage my athletes to do. But, but to even get the process started and to fuel the process, I have to have some sort of result and some sort of goal and some sort of finish line um so so that was a long way of answering your question patrick to say that 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 no i don't think i can um i don't, I don't think i can I, I i've been doing it too long that that i i do derive a lot of secondary enjoyment from all the ancillary benefits of being fit that come from training um and and i definitely watch my diet and and feel much better about myself when i'm training well regardless of what the result ultimately is um but the whole thing is fueled by my desire to to accomplish some goal but my whole thing is fueled by a result um i don't yeah know. well well i would say you actually answered my question to say yes and like hey i enjoy the ancillary benefits like one success leads to the other mm-hmm. um and and yeah, but I think it's, their whole point is that you can do everything right. You can dot the I and cross the T. 
you can achieve all the ancillary benefits. And then when it comes to the day where the result matters, I mean, like shit can go out the window and you're left with nothing or, you know, everything that you didn't want. So is that it? Like, is that the end goal? Is that all that matters? Um, and I think their whole point is, you know, it's everything uh, leading up to that. So you can, but, I, but, I, but I think it's, that. I think it's an overcorrection. I, I, I agree. Yeah, I think if, we're all if, the same. If everything goes out the window on race day and you don't get the result, like, why okay, shouldn't that, you that, be upset? <laughs> yeah, you, of course you're going to be upset and, and you're going to feel, and it's, and I think it's okay to mourn that and it's okay to say that wasn't great, but then you can always fall back on, but my time wasn't wasted because I did right. grow and I did improve and I did, did make connections and, and next time this will, this will help. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just an overcorrection to say you just shouldn't worry about results at all. Um, right. Um, so I actually think I enjoy the process more than I, or I'm better at the process than I am when it comes to race day. Hmm. But, and I don't ever regret the process, but I would say, you know, there are some races that definitely, I had a marathon DNF in, I don't know, 2000, whatever, a few years ago. And that felt at the time, like one of the worst days of my life. Like I remember getting in my car when I got back home from the airport and now I'm going to have to, everyone mm -hmm. wants to know how did that marathon go? And I have to look at yeah. people and tell them I didn't even finish it, but it's just a week later, you know, it's not, it doesn't sting as bad. And three weeks later, you're looking at the calendar for the next race. But I think just not caring at all um, is too much of an overcorrection for any of us that put in the hours and the miles that we do in order to see some type of success on race day. Yeah. Cause it's kind of like, Hey, if I didn't care, I wouldn't put it on. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. If I didn't care, I would run twice a week and I'd just like meet at the ice cream shop at the end of the run. Like and it would just be a like light social event. Yeah. And, that, and, I, and, and you know what, if somebody does that, I'm fine with that. Like, like if somebody does run two times a week and they meet at the ice cream shop and, and that's what they want to do and they never want to race. My mother-in-law runs plenty and she never wants to race. And that's great. I don't have oh, a yeah. problem with that at all, but that's just not for me. That's just right. not, that's just not. And, and happily endurance sports are a big tent um, that, that lots of people can do them and, and you see them on the trails and you see them on the roads um, and, and they might be out there for a completely different reason for you, but you're both still out there. Um, yeah. No. So should we talk about the book specifically or what our takeaway was from the first? I kind of feel like we just did it. What do you well, think? Well, <laughs> I actually have two questions. I would love, I mean, without people coming down hard on me, I have two, I cannot get past the, you know, incessant use of caps lock. I just can't. For like, when it, whenever are, they're talking about the dog. Yeah. Just don't like all caps is should be reserved for, I mean, I don't know, George, you're a professor. Like, does that, do you not read that in, it's just, I don't, I don't want to see all caps. Okay. And see, also, I, I actually like the all caps because they only use all caps when they're putting words in the dog's mouth. Okay. But that's the and, other and, problem and, is and that, the dog. And that actually, that signals to me that I'm going to skip this paragraph because they're putting <laughs> words in the dog's mouth. Well, that answers my question. I mean, I don't know if it's because I'm not a dog person. I mean, I have nothing against dogs. I'm definitely allergic to cats and dogs. I have no experience with them as family members or anything. Um, so, you know, no inherent hatred to the species of the animal itself, but I don't understand, like they could have written this whole book and I think that it would have just come across much more, uh, I mean, they're intellectuals. So I feel like the metaphors with Addy Dog is, it's almost just dumbs the book down to a level that, yeah, kind of makes me want to skip the parts. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm trying to, I think there's a lot of valuable 
you know, insights into, I've read the first hundred pages. Um, but the caps and the dog is, I don't know, it bothers me, but maybe it doesn't bother anybody else. I don't know. And, 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 may, and maybe actually there are folks who actually really like that aspect. Yeah. Of, I know? can think of a few people who have read mm -hmm. it who I bet are thinking, man, Michelle, she is crazy. That's the best part of the book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I know who those people are. <laughs> I know. I think <laughs> One of them commented on, on our Facebook page just the other day, as a matter of fact. But, yeah. Hi, um, Crystal. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but yeah, no, the, 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 the putting words in the dog's mouth and encouraging us to be more like the dog and talking yeah. about how they, they would rather go home and snuggle with the dog than race, um, that, that, that's not really speaking my language either. Yeah. Um, uh, does, does it, does it compromise the message of the book? Not yet. Um, I haven't, I haven't read the whole book yet. And by the time I get to the end of it, maybe I'll be like, you know what? I would have loved that book. It'd be on my all time favorite list if they hadn't had that dang dog in it. Um, but, but I still think there's a lot of value in it. I feel like I said a couple of weeks ago when, when I was talking about the book that, that there might be some ways that they talk. That, that might be a little bit off-putting, but stick with it because I think there's some good ideas in there. Yeah, I agree. Next, I, I think that's an aspect of it because I that do was, think there's some good ideas in there. I've found that I, I to would, be perfectly true as I read through it. That's, Patrick, exact, that's exactly what I thought. As one who's apparently the one dog person I was going to say, bunch, you are a dog person. Yeah. apparently is named the Great Pyrenees on this Zoom call. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping my Great Pyrenees walks in here at any time. But um, I actually had the same reaction with the dog metaphor where it was just a little overdone. I, th I think Georgie used the phrase like an overcorrection when talking about the ignore results entirely. And I kind of thought the same thing with the dog metaphor where it's like, mm -hmm. I've talked about before, I've, I'd like to use the comparison, like where sometimes when I'm running, I feel like a dog chasing a tennis ball. I can't really explain why I love it so much. I just do. Mm -hmm. Didn't really. However, you don't want to take that into like a broad approach to happiness. Um, you know, cause for any of you who have dogs, you know dogs can also be very unhappy. You know, if you feed one dog and not the other, don't train it well, etc. You know, just like people, they could go <laughs> go haywire as well. Mm. So it was a little like, okay, this is great. Like, let's, as you said, a little, a little bit too fluffy of a metaphor for my liking. But um, the overall, I thought the over or the underarching points they're trying to make: process over results, tr focus on enjoyment. Um, this isn't how you like make your paycheck or anything of that nature. So, you know, do what's best for you. I thought that yeah, was and great. I think, yeah. I think sometimes the delivery of the message was a little rough. I also like that they don't hesitate to go deep. Um, I mean, they've got a whole section in there on know your why, which mm -hmm. is yeah. like an existential question for a lot of us in life. Which I, which I um, agree with. I think knowing your why is important. Yeah. Yeah, and, absolutely. <laughs> Um, so, and, and, and Michelle texted me as soon as she got to that part and says, I don't know my why. <laughs> okay. I didn't say it like that. I just said they're like, you know, focusing on what I sometimes feel like is one of my big demons. I, I Thanks George. I can I always really talking. trust you to, you know, not tell the whole podcast world everything we talk about. But, uh, yeah, I read no the confidentiality <laughs> agreement here, Michelle. I mean, clearly like, <laughs> um, but I, I think that as frustrating as some of the, the two parts that I mentioned, I did enjoy reading it. Um, mm -hmm. I felt like I kept on, you know, I had to stop or something and I, when I had the time to read it and I wanted to go back to read it. So that's a pretty right good on. sign for me and I'm looking forward to the second half and finishing it. So Right on, right on. I'll say one other thing about it too. And, I, and again, I agree with the know your why part. And, and I think that that's, I think it's hard. Um, I didn't know my, I couldn't articulate my why until I read it in, again, to Carthage by John Parker. Like, oh. um, and that was, and that was less than six years ago. It was after my sons were born. 
he actually had a section in that and I, and I, I so were you 39? Let's see. I was probably older than, I might've been 40. Um, so, so I have sometime, one more year. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but it was, it was sometime in the last six years, sometimes since the birth of my sons. Cause I remember, I remember where I was when I was reading that book where we were living. Um, and, and, um, and I quoted it at length on my blog. Um, but it talks about how, how running by its very nature is a, a continual attempt at improvement and you're yes. constantly trying to improve yourself. Um, and, and I was like, that's it. That's why. And it, and it wasn't just that it sounded good and I liked the way it sounded and it made me feel noble, but, but rather I was like, I was like, that's the thing that I've been unable to put my finger on for years and years and years. He basically articulated it. And, and since then in that last few years, it's taken a different flavor for me because I've gotten older and, um, and, and getting better and better kind of means not getting worse, not getting slower, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, like fighting off getting slower as nature wants me to become slower. Um, mm -hmm. but, but, but nonetheless, I still feel like it's this continual process of seeking out new ways to, to challenge myself and, and, and grow. Um, and I think that's, that's what it's about for me. That's my why. I find that fascinating. I, I want to tear that apart. I mean, we're not going to do that right now, but you're a teacher. So I would think that your why would be something to do with like helping and enabling others or that's no my way. why for teaching. That's my why for teaching, but that's not why I got into it in the first place. That's not why I got into, to, to, to athletics and, and, and. So you can have multiple whys now. So, oh, you can certainly have multiple whys. Yeah, I would say, I this would say. This is why it's so confusing. And, and I, would I, would say, say. I would say an additional why for me is that I want my sons to see me working hard at something mm -hmm. and, and, and that it could potentially inspire them to, to similarly want to work hard at something. I would say that's yes. also a why. It's a lesser why. Um, it's a and, if those, why. And, and if those two things come into conflict with one another, then who knows what's going to happen. But, um, <laughs> but, but, but I think you can have multiple whys, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important to, to, to know. And I think your why can change. I think your why, why can, can, can morph over time. And I think that's fine. Um, well, and in a way, yours has either morphed or matured, mm -hmm. right? Where it's like, it it's, it's the same basic idea of improvement, but it's, you know, improvement in different aspects. And the other thing too, that's interesting about running is I always felt like I enjoyed it before I knew why I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And that's why writing your why is important after a few years, because then you, it helps you determine in a situation like this where you have to kind of change things up, for example, or you're thrown for a loop, you can determine why do I do this and how can I set myself up mm -hmm. to continue to enjoy it in these new set of circumstances. Yeah, I totally agree. And George, essentially that, that was your why. I'll tell you, I wrote kind of a why statement about almost exactly four years ago, um, summer 2016. And I used the phrase, I thought it was a perfect index for self-improvement. Mm. That was always with kind of the, 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 the phrase I like to, to think about with running because it's just so direct. Mm -hmm. It's it's not like, you know, a lot of sports, there's a referee that can blow a call. There's a lot of luck involved. You never really know what's going on. Um, but in running, it just felt like a very clear, you know, not, line. not linear necessarily, mm -hmm. but a very kind of clear relationship between investing time and energy and then receiving some, some feedback yep. and improvement. It's interesting because I think that can be said about most endurance sports. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, they, yeah. they talk about coaching an elite biathlon um, athlete. And I think what you're saying holds true, you know, across a wide spectrum of endurance mm -hmm. sports. I think oh, so, for too. sure. It's also... And probably a lot of individual sports, period. Sure. Even like it's, poker, which... It's, it's conversely, poker it's also the... Poker is a sport? The, 
Don't Don't say money, even something poker. like poker, but go ahead, George. <laughs> I was I was going to say, uh, interestingly, conversely, it's one of the reasons why I didn't enjoy bike racing, um, and it's one mm-hmm. of the things that 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 I I have issues with on Zwift right now um, is that that bike racing a lot of times the winner is determined by how the race unfolds, and and so I could be and this happened to right. me. I I could I could train harder than everybody else and I could be stronger than everybody else and I wouldn't win the race. Um, and it's because the pack would conspire to keep me from winning the race. Um, and, and I found that profoundly frustrating as a bike racer. It makes bike racing super fun to watch because you never know who's going to (laughs) win. Right. (laughs) But, but, but I didn't, I didn't always enjoy doing it. Um, and so, so, and I, I have sort of a similar feeling on Zwift right now that there, there's a lot of intervening variables that, that, um, that, that can influence who wins and loses, some of which are immoral, some of which are people cheating, um, I sense, um, that, that don't have anything to do with who's worked the hardest and, and who's the strongest. Um, so anyway, um, one other thing I'll say real quickly about the book. Um, the, the, in, in we've talked about things that we like, and I, I feel like we've been overly critical with some of the things we might, might not like. Yeah. One of the things, and, and this actually does tie in with, with, um, with my age, um, is uh, she, Megan, is a doctor. Um, and they, they talk in very plain terms about how she comes into contact with death and she did through her internship. And they, on several occasions, say the only finish line, only real finish line is death. Is death. And, and, they, and they talk about death in a very stoic, in a very matter-of-fact way. Yeah. And as a 45-year-old man, that bothers me. Um, because you feel your time ticking? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I um, think that's their whole point. Yeah. Um, they want and, you to feel that. Yeah. And, 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 and so, so if, if that's what them they want, then that's actually a real critique of the book, but, but we'll see whether, whether I, I ultimately conclude that as well, but it makes me very uncomfortable with them talking continually about, Hey, you're going to die one day. I'm like, yo, I don't want to talk about how I'm going to die one day. Like, that's not what I want to think about. I don't derive enjoyment from thinking about how I'm going to die. I, it's, I, I it's drive a little enjoyment cavalier. from trying to live. It's a little cavalier considering like we hear dog voices, the page process. <laughs> I mean, that's the problem is like focus on enjoying the process because one day you're going to die. There will be no more process to enjoy. But by the way, if you want to be like a dog, um, but I would say that actually just the last 10 minutes, this conversation we're having makes me feel very strongly that at least reading the first half was totally worth it because mm-hmm, if it can spark this type of, Mm-hmm. We could call this a deep, meaningful conversation, guys. Um, then it's totally worth reading, and I'm excited to finish it. Right on, right on. <laughs> I am too. I'm looking forward to finishing it as well. I look forward to, to devoting an entire podcast to it in two or three weeks here. So, so I look forward to that. And by the way, folks, go ahead and start thinking about what what our next book choice is going to be, because because we'll definitely do another one here since we had so many people suggesting good books for us when we first put out the call. All right, y'all, we got to wrap it up. I did Ram V Ram today. I did my first bike race. You want to hear how it went? We are dying to hear how it went. I'm currently sitting in fifth. What? Who are the four people ahead of you? Are they pros? I don't know. We're actually all up there by our username. So I didn't go my hardest today here on day one. Um, uh-huh. so I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying uh, to. Okay. No, I really didn't. It, really it didn't. was uphill for you, but downhill for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here, here's what's cool about it. So, so my wife and Danielle Grable were part of a two-woman team who did RAM. Uh, two-person ram in 2013 starts in oceanside california ends in annapolis maryland eight days two hours and 35 minutes that's what i think their time was they won they set the course record at the time um, it was great her um, what'd you say yeah and i crewed her um and so, so cool. today the first stage was basically the start of the ram course 
And so you're going along the beach in Oceanside and you take this right turn, you go up the steep hill um, into downtown Oceanside. And, I, and I'm sitting there riding it and, and, and I'm riding up the hill and I have memories of 2013 when, when Danny and Casey, my wife, turned up that hill um, and Casey dropped her chain on that hill. Um, and I hop out of the car and I'm getting the chain back on our bike real quick. And the, uh, the next team is coming up behind us because they started us at one minute intervals. We have to try and get the chain on real quick. And all that so it, it was, and then uh, it was basically today, today's virtual ride was the first 23 miles of the course and it was filmed and it was beautiful and it was hard. The and first no chain malfunctions on your training? And no chain malfunctions today, <laughs> happily, I can, I can report. So, so yeah. So do you have to go every day now? Do you do another section tomorrow? So, so the way that, so, so there are three events. There, there's virtual race across America, which is going on right now. And all the people who are in it are literally riding their bikes right now. There was a guy actually who did the coast to coast cycle challenge that, that I mentioned that I'm on, um, on team road trip here that started in, virtually started in William, uh, Wilmington, North Carolina and, and rode the length of I-40 to Barstow, California. A guy from Japan did that challenge, finished it like four or five days ago. Um, wow. And then he started virtual Ram today. Um, and he's in Japan, and so he got to start before anybody else did, um, since you know the sun, the, the the day starts earlier in Japan. Right. So he got he got so he's actually currently in first place. Um, and so so big shout out to him. His name is Haru, uh, Hirokazu Suzuki. Um, um, so he's he's doing virtual RAM, um, where you just have like 300 courses and you have to ride them as fast as you can and get them all done within 12 days. Then they have virtual race across the West, which is like 100 courses. Um, it's about one third the distance there. Uh, and then I'm doing the, the, the amateur version, the pedestrian version here, <laughs> which they're calling the 60. And it's just basically one ride of all the 12 days of Ram from the 16th to the 28th. They did change it happily to where you could do all 12 of them at one time if you want to, or you can double up on one day if you want to, or something like that. Um, that because awful. since we're going out of town, I'm going to have to double up on a couple of days because I, I, I won't, I'll be away from my bike here uh, on the last couple of days here. So, so we'll see. But yes, after, after stage one, I'm sitting in fifth. <laughs> we're we'll rooting we for you, out. George. So, so. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Michelle. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, y'all. This was fun, actually. I really enjoyed being with you again. And that was cool bringing Katie on and hearing about how they're doing things. So, so thanks for that, Michelle. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a good week. That'll do it for another edition of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We appreciate you joining us. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. You can find us on Twitter at Pleasant Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. And you can always download our podcast from Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, ITL Coaching and Performance, at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at ITL Coaching, at Facebook, Facebook.com slash ITL Coaching and Performance, and on Instagram, ITL Coaching. You can check out Blue Pineapple Travel at BluePineappleTravel.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BluePineappleTravel, or on Instagram, BluePineappleTravel. And finally, SlayerX. You can find them at SlayerX.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Here4SlayerX, that's the number four, Here4SlayerX, on Instagram at Here4SlayerX, again the number four, and on Twitter at OfficialSlayRX. Don't forget the discount code PLEASANT2020. On behalf of Patrick Ollinger and Michelle Frank, this is George Darden. We appreciate you joining us on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.